You're welcome. What was that? You're welcome. With Hillary Rushford. Say it again. You're welcome. In advance. Buongiorno, my dear. I am coming to you today from Rome. I am in our little Airbnb right now in the heart of Old Town Rome, which is incredibly charming. I think this is the oldest home, Jeremy, and I feel like we've ever stayed at for a rental. The steps up in the building are clearly old. The door to enter the apartment is just this thick wood with one of those big like lion metal knockers and a really old key that you put into it. And it just looks out over this tiny little charming square. There is the smallest little Italian church right outside our window. It looks like maybe 20 people could fit in there. Everything here just feels so tiny, even though we know of it for the Vatican, which is so expansive, and the Colosseum, which is so expansive, and the Trevi Fountain, which is such a large and opulent fountain. But it's actually really surprising being here, how tiny everything is. And I'll talk a little bit more about Rome in the, yes, something I'm loving lately section of the episode, because I have some thoughts to share. If you are someone interested in travel, definitely stick around. But I've been thinking about a phrase Over the last couple of weeks, and specifically as we've been traveling in the last few days, it's come back to me. A couple weeks ago, I was listening to a meditation and it asked the question in some form that we are often asked at the top of a meditation or a yoga practice, which is to think about your intention, your intention for the practice, your intention for this session. And I feel like usually when you're asked it in that context, the intention is often to be present. That's what we're trying to do in yoga or meditation is be in the present moment, not ruminating over the past or fearful or planning for the future or to feel peace, which often is also what we feel when we just are in the present moment. But when she asked it, it hit me different this time. And I think because I was listening to a meditation while in the midst of very quickly getting ready for something for work. Like I was doing my hair and makeup. I was in the bathroom getting ready. I didn't have a lot of time. I was on a schedule. And I think this is why I created what I call slow sessions that are inside the garden party and the healing burnout course and some of my signature teachings is because I very often am wanting to be thoughtful and be with my own thoughts as opposed to, you know, sometimes I am wanting to listen to the news and think about what's happening in the world. Sometimes I'm wanting to listen to comedy and just be distracted from what's happening in my life. And sometimes I'm wanting to hear other people's stories and increase my empathy. But most often, the most valuable use of my time is when I am having my own thoughts for myself. What I hope you and I are doing on this podcast every week is it's inviting you to reflect on your life, your thoughts, your present moment, what the application is for you. And I think that's the richest thing we can do with our time, especially in this day and age when we all know we are more busy, we slow down less, We so often are distracted with other people's lives. When we sit down to scroll social media based on who you follow and how you utilize it, for many people, 
it is just about watching someone else's life and not a moment of I'm going to be asked questions for myself. I'm going to see what I am being drawn to and what that's telling me about myself. So I realize, and I've come to realize over the years of using the Elegant Excellence Journal more and more, that the time we spend with ourselves, dialoguing with ourselves, being aware of our thoughts, our feelings, what's happening in our day, what's the vibe of the season, how are we growing, that is the most valuable and precious time that we have. So a lot of times I'm wanting to kind of recenter in that, but I don't have, I'm not sitting quietly and silently for 20 minutes. I'm I'm on a walk, I'm doing my makeup, I'm moving throughout my day, but I'm wanting to have that centering feeling. And when she said, what's your intention? I thought, why am I wanting to center? Why am I listening to a meditation midday while doing my makeup? And I was probably wanting to stay calm, confident, not stressed. I don't remember what I was preparing for that day, but I was likely feeling behind and overly busy and stressed. We were in the middle of a launch. We had other personal things happening. We were going to be going out of town. And I knew I wasn't going to do my best work from that place, whether I was going to do a live talk afterwards or be writing. If I'm coming from that place of being stressed and rushed, it's not going to go as well. So I'm conscious that I'm moving fast because I've got a lot of things to do today. And I'm also conscious I want to work really well. So I'm sort of pausing to do this recentering. And when she asked the question, what is your intention? I thought, how powerful to ask that question, not when we are slowing to meditate, to do yoga, when that's what's happening in the present moment, but rather to use that question at all the times that are not that. That when you ask yourself in the midst of, trying on clothes. What is my intention? If it's to feel good about myself, to feel beautiful, to feel however it makes me feel good to feel, well then how do I shift the reflection in the mirror as I try on this outfit? How do I choose a different thought about this experience that I am in, where things aren't fitting, where I'm not feeling great in the outfits that I put together, where I'm feeling like not a lot of my closet fits right now, where I'm feeling a sense of lack because how do I have this packed closet, nothing to wear? If the intention is to feel good about myself, then can't I switch to a different thought to realize, to interrupt the spiral? The habit groove that we are so often in, for example, on that train of how often we feel unattractive, not chic, not polished, not put together, like we don't have enough, like we're lacking, frustrated in our body, whatever those habit grooves are, that is where our thoughts are taking us. And to instead ask, is this train of thought, is the way I am approaching and interacting with this moment, serving my broader intention? Like as I was packing for Italy, I'd ordered a bunch of clothes and none of them were working. None of them were fitting. None of them were right. And that can feel kind of frustrating. Like, oh, now I'm out of time and I didn't really love all the stuff and I was want that I had and I was wanting some new stuff, et cetera. And to ask myself, what is your intention 
in trying on these clothes? Why did you order the clothing? To feel good, to feel good in new things, in new pieces, in certain types of outfits or items that I was thinking that I would like to have on this trip. And now they're not feeling good. The intention was to feel good, which is why I ordered the clothes. And now as I'm going through the process, I am not feeling good. So if I go back to my intention to feel good, can I choose a better feeling thought? Such as, well, I do feel good that I'm saving money. I do feel good that now that I look at my closet again, I honestly do have plenty of great clothes here and I'm putting together some outfits that I haven't worn before and I'm getting to wear what I have and make the best use of that. And I am reframing. I I can't change the circumstance when we go back to the wand, episode 60, I believe it is, if you are a new friend here. When we go back to the wand, our circumstance, my circumstance is the same. These, These clothes are sitting there outside of the boxes. None of them are working. And yet I can change my thought that if my intention was to feel good, then what is a thought that I can choose in this moment? Because it's silly when I think about it that I ordered these clothes to feel good and then I'm having moments of frustration. And yet I'm sure in that example, hence what makes women feel beautiful, you can relate. You've absolutely been there that you ordered the things to feel good and somehow you ended up feeling worse. So if my intention is to feel good about myself, then how can I choose a better thought about this text message exchange that I am in or you know, any of the things in our life that the reason you, you have this friendship is to feel good about yourself. You want to feel good in your working relationships, whatever that is. So how can I choose a different thought to give myself more grace and compassion, the other person more grace and compassion? so that it's aligned with my intention. Because if I'm, when I'm rather, stressed at work, getting overwhelmed and panicked about all the things I need to do and how I'm behind, if I can ask, what is my intention? My intention for me personally in my business is to serve. That's when I feel the best, is when I'm creating content that I think, this is really gonna bless someone. And when I put something out and then you let me know, oh my gosh, that helped me so much. I use that teaching all the time. It's one of the best courses I've ever taken. I really have to tell you that teaching truly changed my life. That is what feels so fulfilling to me. So if my intention is to serve, is my stressing serving anyone? Now, granted, the reason that I'm stressing is because I want to serve well. So we don't want to dismiss. There is a reason we are feeling stressed. You're not feeling stressed because you're silly. You're feeling stressed because you want to honor your deadlines, because you want to give good quality work, because you want to make sure that it is, if not the best ever that you could do, it certainly is the upper echelon of what you can do. And so I think a key to this new phrase that I've been playing with, what is your intention? is not to dismiss the reason you are feeling it in that moment, to not defend why what you're doing is leading to your intention. Because it absolutely can lead to your intention. That's why you're doing it. 
when you ordered the clothes and they aren't working, it's so easy to say, well, my intention was to feel good, which is why I ordered the clothes. And obviously now they aren't working. You can spiral. Of course, your intention originally was to order them. You had good intentions. You knew what your intention was. And look how proud we are of you that you ordered the clothes ahead of time, that you thought through what you wanted to pack, etc. You tried to take a step to make you feel good. You tried to take a step to serve more in your business by coming up with a new idea because becoming up by coming up with a way that you could do it even better. So you had a good intention to begin with. And I think this is what is so key is not shaming, blaming, defending, dismissing why what you did originally was in that intention. But now it's not working out that way. So if the first action was headed towards that intention and has kind of hit a wall, now if we regroup on the intention, we can just choose a different action or a different thought rather than fixating on defending our first choice. And if you pause from that current action to ask, what is your intention, then what action can you take now? Knowing that that first thing didn't really work, knowing that you're stressed and you're behind, knowing that the clothes aren't fitting, knowing that this text message is triggering you, what action could you take? What thought could you have that's obviously not the one you're having right now because that's what's leading to frustration or overwhelm? Because if that action or choice was feeling good, then you you wouldn't need this. You would already be feeling in line with your intention. But I think we use this when you have the flicker of maturity to know that how you're feeling or what you're thinking right now is not leading you to your highest intention in this area. And it's actually a sign of maturity at a moment when we often tend to feel failure. We feel like, oh, I've yet again failed on how to have a conversation with my mother without it triggering me. That's not the case with my mom, but um, whatever your example is. I've yet again failed at finding clothes that are going to fit my body, being able to get a swimsuit that fits my body. Friends, I just want to, as an aside note, I am a person in a smaller body. If you are a person in a medium or larger size body, you probably think that it is so easy for me to find a swimsuit. My, I wore my last bikini for so long that the, it, it it literally just gave up the last time I wore it. Like it just, the, the fabric just went, and like, it's like see-through basically on the butt after uh, the last time. Thankfully, I was just on a family vacation at an Airbnb, so it was fine, but I need a new bikini. So I ordered one. It's like all I could really find. And I'm just thinking this is simple. This is basic. Like it just won't be that hard. And it just didn't fit. The top, I got an extra small and a small. The top was too small. Friend, I I don't care what the number is on the label, but for the love, I am not a medium. If if I am a medium, then what are the mediums wearing? If if the mediums are wearing the extra large, what are the extra larges wearing? Like I should not be a medium in a bikini top. And then the bottoms were just too tall on me. I'm 5'4", I have a shorter torso, and they just, it, it just was not the 
right fit. So I had to return those. So anyways, those moments where you're like, my intention was to try to keep this simple, to try to use my wisdom and shopping to do this well. So I've taken this action and I, I notice how often I can loop and get stuck on the thing that I tried and the fact that it's not working. And I can defend why I was smart, intelligent, responsible, trying hard, whatever the thing is. That's why I did the action in the first place or had the the thought in the first place. And now that it's not working, I can just defend that instead of separating and saying, all right, well, this was your intention and you tried an action or a thought and it's not leading that intention, right? Okay. So let's regroup on the intention. Let's release that action or thought. What is going to be in line with the intention that I have? So if my intention is to be peaceful as a mother, okay, then whatever's happening right now, is this leading to overwhelm or shame? I will link in the the description, the episode that I did recently on being mom shamed, which was coming from a friend who was not trying to shame. She was just trying to share what worked for her. But because it was not my top priority, it made me feel like I wasn't doing enough. I go into that in detail. And so many of you, including uh, people in my real life, reached out to say, oh my gosh, that was so helpful. It really helped me reframe why I have felt mom shame and that I absolutely do not have to. So in that instance of the mom shame, I came back to my number one goal, my number one priority. Now, goal, priority, intention, they're really all synonyms, but maybe because we hear the word intention in meditation and yoga, whereas goals and priorities we hear more often in business, productivity, weight loss, like these places where we're trying to be more strict and we're trying to produce more, whereas intention feels like it comes up most often culturally in those times when we're trying to rest, we're trying to be more spacious. So I'm finding for me that it has a softness to it, almost like it has more to do with a higher self-actualization what my intention is rather than an accomplishment. Here's what I'm trying to make happen. Here's what I'm trying to to accomplish. It's subtle, but I think it's feeling different to me that in my intention is to feel ease in motherhood. And I'm now, you know, the panic that I'm feeling over this food book that my friend is insisting that our surrogate should follow if I care about my baby's brain health is not making me feel ease. It's making me feel panic and overwhelm and shame and all all of the things. It's not making me feel ease. So if my intention is ease, and if in that moment on her couch before I took the book, because I was feeling guilt, shame, overwhelm, fear, scarcity, all the things, if instead I had gone, what is my intention? I release the book. Because I'm clear the book is not in line with my intention. Now, that's where I got to eventually that I share in that episode. But what I'm playing with is that I think it feels easier than mentally ranking my priorities. 
because I had to kind of walk through, okay, I do care about brain health. And this friend is implying that if I don't utilize this clean eating book, I'm going to sacrifice the brain health of my child. But in the priority, and that is a priority, right? But in the ranking of priorities, I have decided that ease is the most important. And we met with this doula and she said that low stress was the most important. And therefore, I'm having to kind of walk back through my history of how I made these decisions about how we were going to handle surrogacy without it being deeply stressful when I knew that could be an option. Another woman is carrying our child. You could absolutely go down the path of being terrified and micromanaging and all of the things. And so I pre-decided I didn't want that, but I've got to kind of walk through all those priorities. But if I just say to myself, my intention in motherhood is ease. My intention in motherhood is ease. I wonder if I had made that a mantra that I come back to, which again, I think a mantra feels like a light, easy essence, right? Where if we repeat to ourselves, if you write down in, you know, some people believe you should be writing down your like top 10 life goals every single day to stay focused on them. And I guess for me, there's just a, I'm feeling a little emotional as I say this because I think there's a a drive, there's an aggressiveness there because what comes to mind for me is how many years I would have written top 10 dream goals, be a New York Times bestselling author. Well, if you know my story, you know that I have failed at that. So that's a goal that I am very, very far from. That's a goal that I don't know if I want anymore. It's more of a pass fail. I can be harder on myself. I can be angrier at the world. But my intention for motherhood is ease. Well, that's that's moment to moment. That's in a thought. That's in an instance. That's in the next 10 minutes. That's in a reset at 11 o'clock a.m. for the rest of the day. That's a reset at 7 p.m. for the rest of the night. I think there's a softness to this word intention. And I also wonder if it's because we struggle with so many competing priorities that, like I said, when I go back through, okay, what did I say? I said that like, yes, obviously brain health is important. Obviously the physical health of a child is important. And so I'm not saying the food isn't important, but then also like stress because I met with a doula and I'm having to, to wrestle with the competing priorities that my friend says, but it just, it has stuff about brain health. AKA you're sacrificing your baby being smart if you don't do this. But at conflict with it, like knuckles against knuckles is, okay, yeah, but if I micromanage my surrogate, then I'm going to be stressed and she's going to be stressed. And the doula told me that stress is the thing that can can harm the, the pregnancy the most. So these now feel like competing priorities. But intention almost comes from the gut. And I think we know what our core intentions are. Like, to be a good friend, to be a kind person, to make my partner feel loved and safe. My intention is to feel at peace, to not create chaos in my life with my behavior, my reactions. I think you know your intentions. You have to get clear on your goals and your priorities, which is what we do inside the Elegant Excellence Journal, because there are so many of them. And most of us are trying to do way too many 
which is why we end up spread thin, burned out, unsatisfied. But I think that our core intentions, we know. I think intentions are more like values and we don't usually have competing values. You do have to choose between goals and priorities. You can't do them all. But values usually are, you, it, it, you're not going to choose between making your partner feel safe and feeling ease in motherhood. Now, there might be brief moments where they clash against each other, but no one asks us to rank or value one over the other. They're both deeply important. And I think because we only have a few of those core values, there is space for all of them. I'm curious to hear how this hits you because maybe intentions don't feel any different to you. Maybe I'm actually curious, you know, my Enneagram sevens out there, you guys want to say yes to everything and, um, struggle even a little bit more to have so many things that you want to say yes to. So maybe whether an Enneagram seven or something else, there are those of you that feel like actually for me, intentions still feel like they're too competing. I've got too much going on. But for me, I wonder if intentions are these lighter core values that have a softness to them that isn't a pass fail, that I don't have to choose, and that none of us are living out our intentions as well as we could at all moments. I think we all intend to be kind, and yet we aren't always kind. No one is always kind at every moment, whereas the project that you were working on that was due September 15 and you're three weeks behind on it, it's much more black and white, and you need to defend how you got there as opposed to saying that was my intention and I didn't do well. And I can just, I can just choose again. I can just choose something new. So regardless of the reason, it's a question that I'm rolling around in my mind more and trying to fold into my repertoire of self-coaching more often. What is your intention? My intention, a core intention for me is to not feel burned out. And when I say that, then I can ask, okay, so what would help today? What would help in the next couple of hours? What would help in the next 20 minutes? And if you're not sure, by the way, what would help you not feel burned out or heal from your burnout or avoid burnout, or you want support in that, I will put the wait list for uh, my healing burnout course that is going to be opening this fall. I've really been getting the sense that this is the time that we need together and that there are so many of us who are looking for the next season of who there are so many of us who are looking for that next level of hope and healing and help in spaciousness, ease, burnout, inner peace, self-confidence, freedom. And especially before we get to those last few crunchy weeks of the year around the holidays, when we're all overly full, we all have a lot going on our plate. There's all a lot going on. And that year after year, I know I've had so many times where I start the year exhausted, spread thin, stressed out behind, and it feels like it takes me the first six weeks of the year just to get 
just to recalibrate and get everything out from under me. So I had the vision to do this in the fall so that we can get that peace and spaciousness this year to have a more restful renewal time over the holidays and feel more optimistic and hopeful headed into the new year. So if my intention is to not feel burned out, then how do I do that in this moment? And I think the difference with the intention is it doesn't need to be an entire map of how I heal my burnout. That's what we do inside the healing burnout course. And we get all of the tools and we look at all of the angles and we're really intentional about walking through to create that breathing room. But the intention moment is once I have those tools, once I have that wisdom and I know how do I support myself in burnout? How do I heal my burnout? What are my options? What are all the things I have to walk through? Now that I have that knowledge and wisdom as my foundation, I can ask myself in the moment, what is your intention? My intention is to not feel burned out. Okay. Then I could, I could go down a whole laundry list of all the reasons that this week is stressful, that this season is stressful, why I'm battling burnout, defending why I might be feeling burned out or why it would be hard to not feel burned out. But right now, this afternoon, how do I live out that intention? How do I do that on my lunch break? How do I do that on my commute home? How do I do that headed into this meeting. And I can notice that where my thoughts were taking me a moment ago were not in line with my intention. The reason that I'm asking the question is because I was getting stressed, frustrating, frustrated, spiraling into worst cases. I was getting darker and more discouraged in my thoughts. I was getting heavier, feeling more overwhelmed, more exhausted. And it's supportive to choose a lighter mindset around the same events because it doesn't necessarily mean that I am problem solving how to get out of this burnout. Again, that's what we're doing inside the teaching. That's what I'm doing when I sit down with my Elegant Excellence Journal and I go back over all of my tools. But when I have less time, when I just have a, a minute and I'm sensing this hissy fit that I'm throwing internally is not feeling good then how can I choose a lighter mindset? What would help me feel like I am moving in the direction of what my intention is with these same events, with this same day that was behind me, with the same task that was before me? So that is the brief new question that I am asking myself more often and I am sensing even here in Rome, it's just allowing me at times to recalibrate. Sometimes you just can, things don't go as planned. You can feel stressed or you can feel disappointed when something didn't meet your expectations. You can feel flustered when you can't find something. And for me, in part, I'm just asking myself, what, what is my intention? My intention is to not be burned out. And for me, travel. And even though I'm working remotely this first week that we're here, and then we're uh, doing vacation the second week, which is often what we do when we travel, even though I'm working right now, it is still my intention is for it to feel more restful than when I'm at home, which is why I would do that. So it ultimately is about healing my burnout. It's about my intention is to enjoy myself here. My intention is to feel joy 
and delight to get out of the rhythms and ruts at home. Anything along those lines, the whatever words you put it into for yourself, when I think about that intention, it allows me to just say, okay, then is this list in your head of this didn't go right and this didn't go right, or I'm frustrated about this, or I'm feeling scarce about this. I feel like the time's going by quickly. I feel like I I need to get home to work on that thing, whatever that scarce thought is. What is my intention? My intention is to feel joy. My intention is to love this day. Okay, then what can I do right now? This is going to help me love this day a little bit more. And maybe that is going for a walk. Maybe that is pouring myself some sparkling water and listening to music for five minutes. It truly can. I don't mean that to sound like the glib, like, oh, you heal your burnout with a spot of self-care, like five minutes. It's not that. It's saying, I've done the work to get all the tools to heal my burnout. I've done that deeper work. I sit and I use the Elegant Excellence Journal. I've got all of that. This is the lighter in-between moments when I get, when I have the maturity and wisdom to get that flicker to say, what I'm thinking right now is not leading me to what my intention is. So what's a small, light, soft shift I can make that's gonna go back to my intention and I can honor myself that what I tried the first time, what I was doing up until this moment, I was trying to go for that same intention, it just didn't work, but no worries. I honor that I was going for that intention and I'm going to be even more proud of myself in this moment for recentering, recalibrating, and asking, what is my intention? And then choosing something that moves me in that direction. And I hope this helps you do the same. Oh, wait. One more thing. Don't miss this. Before you go, love. P.S. Something I'm loving lately is that we have been in Rome for just a couple of days now. And I pretty much feel like I have seen it. <laughs> I pretty much feel like, yeah, I've, I've done Rome. We've been here for a couple days and um, yeah, I know Rome. And I know that might sound like a weird thing to say that I'm loving that. But so often I have the experience that I don't have enough time here. I don't have enough time somewhere. I am so in love with the city. I am so in love with the place that while I'm there, there is simultaneously this feeling of scarcity that I I want to try to cram it all in and I want to know that I can come back. And as bizarre as it sounds, it would sound like a negative as though I'm not enjoying Rome. I am enjoying it. I am am enjoying it. And also, I know that we will have, I, I will have enough time in Rome when we leave here. And there's so many places that I want to go in Italy in the future that I know I will feel at peace if we don't come back to Rome for quite a while and we prioritize other places that we haven't been to. And again, it's such a fascinating thought because usually we talk a lot about this inside the Healing Burnout course. We really struggle with the definition of enough. Most of our life in most areas, we do not feel we have enough, even when it comes to something, or even especially when it comes to something beautiful, delightful, that makes a beautiful life, that brings us joy, like travel. We feel like we don't have enough time. We don't have enough money to go to all the places. We don't have, you know, 
whatever. And so often we end up feeling this sense of scarcity in the very thing that should be giving us a feeling of an abundant life because we sort of live in this gluttonous culture that has told us to always be wanting more and always be expanding. And so actually there is something really beautiful when you have a moment where you realize, I think I'm satisfied with this. I think I'm satiated. This is a nice feeling. Now it's also a nice feeling to adore something, but it does, it's a bubblier, fizzier feeling. But it also means you have to do the mental work of being like, okay, but also let's be grateful. Let's not get scarce, et cetera. And there's almost, it's like not as buzzy to be like, yeah, this is nice. I think I'm also fine with it. It's not as high, but there's also a little bit of sense of ease that you're like, cool, I'm not having to work on uh, any of the, uh, the FOMO. So I would say personally, I feel like you can do Rome in two days of heavy walking. If you bring your tennis shoes and you're like, we're going to just really walk a lot for two days, and then we're going to move on to another city where we're going to rest and relax more. You really can see it in two days. I can't believe how small it is. Whereas Paris, I feel like you'd have to choose a direction to walk in if you only had two days of Paris and you're just going to feels like you're going to see a fraction of the city. It feels so spread out. It feels so large. Same thing with London, same thing with New York. There's so much to see. There's so many neighborhoods to go to. And now maybe someone from Rome or who loves Rome would tell you that I'm wrong and there's all these other neighborhoods, but we did do our research ahead of time. There really aren't these other cool hip neighborhoods that people were mentioning. There really aren't these other sites, I mean, pretty much everything we found you can do in pretty much two days of walking. They're also for us. I did a uh, episode on travel personalities. I'll link that in the description as well. But for our travel personality, which is a B B E uh, travel personality, we love to just be in the energy of someplace, just people watching, just wandering, just chilling. And Rome has very few parks. There's no riverbanks really to go and sit on. There is a river, but it floods a lot and it's not, it's not very pretty. It's not very appealing. No one really seems to be sitting down there. So we're really not sitting and just sort of chilling very often. We really are walking with a purpose to get someplace. And because it's so much smaller, we just kind of keep circling back to where we've been. Whereas in Paris, we can go pretty much do a walk and a wander, but it's in a totally different direction than we did the day before and the day before that. We kind of just keep coming back to the same thing. So I'm like, oh yeah, that cute fountain. Yeah, we've seen that every day now. So, okay, cool. I would be fine just sitting and chilling, but there's not really much of anywhere to do that unless you're at a restaurant and you're only going to eat you know, so many times a day. So it's been really interesting that We originally, we were supposed to come to Italy in 2019 for the summer. My apartment was too small for us once we got married and Jeremy moved in. And so we were going to be looking for a larger apartment. We decided we would release mine in May, go to Europe for the summer and travel while we weren't paying rent, and then get a new apartment in September. We were looking just to see what neighborhood we wanted to move into so that we could find a place much sooner when we got back. And long story short, stumbled upon our phenomenal apartment that was a 
total kismet meet cute. The realtor thought we were his two o'clock. We thought he was our realtor. We weren't even supposed to get shown the apartment because we saw it before his appointment. And we had all of our paperwork. Like we got in first and we were just so in love with this apartment. We were like, okay, if God gives us his house, I think we're meant to stay. We cannot pass this up. It's such a diamond in the rough. There's very few of those kinds of apartments in, um, in the city. So we didn't end up going. We were like, we'll go next summer. Then it was 2020. Then the next summer or the summer after that, so many people were coming specifically to Italy. I don't know why, but it's like everyone felt like wanted to go to Italy after the pandemic. So we would just be busy. And by the time we kind of got around to it, everything was booked. Everything was expensive. We just kept being like, we don't have enough time to plan. Let's put it off. Well, now that we're having a baby, (laughs) this was about the last time we could do it. So we've gone from four months to two weeks. We went down from like four months to three months to six weeks to two weeks. So on the one hand, there is that scarcity of feeling like, gosh, we had all these plans. We've done all this research with so many other places that we wanted to go. And absolutely, there is so much more of Italy that we want to explore. And I do not think this will be true the rest of the trip. Other places that we're going, I do not think I'm going to get to and think, okay, that's about all I needed of that. But it is helpful to remember that not everything is never enough. And I even thought about, I was sharing a little bit of this uh, sentiment on stories, and I thought most of the time when people share where they're traveling to on social media, it seems like someplace you want to go, right? They're almost always saying, this place is phenomenal. This was wonderful. Here's the best restaurant. You're, You're saving all these places. Do you do that as well? Like somebody tags a restaurant in this city that maybe I'm going to go to sometime. Now I've got a saved folder on Instagram of this maybe restaurant that I might go to one day in Lebanon or wherever it is. And so there can be such a sense of, oh my gosh, there's so much of the world to see. And how am I going to get to all of these incredible places? And so I shared on stories saying, I'm not being negative about Rome and I'm not ungrateful to be here. I'm not unhappy to be here. But I also want to be honest because you might be thinking, oh, Rome, Audrey and Roman holiday, we should go to Rome. And actually seeing, I don't know that I would love Rome. Every time Hillary goes to Paris, I think I would love Paris. But maybe I wouldn't love Rome. And so maybe I don't have to feel FOMO every time someone's in Rome and Paris. Maybe I can say, I'm never going to get everywhere in the world. And I actually had this thought for myself. I'm never going to get everywhere in the world. And maybe that's okay because I wouldn't love it all anyways. So what I want to get clear on throughout my life is what, and this is a lot of what we do in the the Ellie Nexon's journal work even, is what is it that brings me joy? What do I know about myself? And the more that I learn about myself, the more I can highlight and identify why certain experiences, areas to invest the limited time, money, and energy that every single one of us has, because we edit, we have more options, ideas, and opportunities ever before today than in human history. We are never going to be able to say yes to all of them. We all have to choose what enough is. And for most of us, that is the source of our stress that we are not um, have not been taught to do that. And that's a lot of what we do inside the healing burnout experience. But if I know, if I realize I'm not going to love everything anyways, then it's okay that I'm going to miss it. And it almost makes it sweeter. I almost love that I keep articulating why we love Paris so much, why Paris really is 
our city and the city where we fell in love and the country where we eloped to. And that I can identify why that is makes it feel sweeter. I'm not just someone who loves cities. I don't just love international cities. I don't just love big cities. Here is why I love Paris. And I can tell you that because I've been to another big international city in Rome now, and I've been to others, but you know, in being in Rome, I'm like, oh, it's not just that. There is something more specific about Paris. There is something more unique to me. And that makes me get more excited then to identify what that is so that I can curate more of that in my life. Which is not to say that there's not plenty of goodness to share in Rome. So I will see you over on Instagram and in Instagram stories where um, I will be sharing Rome while we are here. And then we are headed into the country and down to the coast. And I truly hope that it is bringing you um, a little spot of joy in your day and letting you take stock of what is it that really would bring you joy so I can help support, inspire, educate, and encourage you to have more of that for you in your life. I will see you over on Instagram and right back here on our next You're Welcome Wednesday with grace and gumption. You're welcome in advance. Till next Wednesday.